0: Peter, this will not be the text from 1 Peter. Excuse me, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and choosing sure. For in doing these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore... I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them, and have been strengthened in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. Here's the spoiler. What I'm about to preach to you, most of you, is not going to be anything new. What I'm about to preach to you, you already know. But i found that you people, certainly not me, because I'm way too spiritual to do this, but you people, when you're reading your Bibles, we come across words and we often just read over them. We don't stop to think, what does the word mean? We don't stop to think, is it more than just what appears to be on the surface? Now, I'm not saying we're going to go deep. Sometimes you're going deep, you just get muddy. You're really not that deep. But what we're going to look at today is saving faith. Or what I would call saving faith, the basics. And the text is one that you all know. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. The most crucial question that any human being ever asks is, how can I be reconciled with God? How can I be saved from the wrath of God? How can I be made right with God? We know that God is holy, and God hates sin. Now, sin is anything that is contrary to God or to his revealed will. We're born sinners. And we begin sinning at the first opportunity. (laughs) Ephesians 2, you were dead in trespasses and sins. If you don't believe that we begin sinning at our first opportunity, you've never been around an infant. God is just. And God must punish sin because he's just. And his just punishment for sin is hell. In Mark 9, 48, the Lord Jesus describes hell as the place where the maggot never dies and the fire is never quenched. In Revelation, hell is described as a lake of burning sulfur. And it's never ending for those who are consigned there. Revelation 14, 11 says, The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no relief day and night. And since that's true, How can I be reconciled to the God that I've sinned against and be saved from this hideous hell and know him? Now, the Bible's very clear. It's right there in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace. That's God's un... Well, I don't like it when people say it's God's undeserved favor. It's like God doesn't deserve it. No. Grace is God's gift lavished freely on undeserving sinners. It's freely given out of his own immense goodness, kindness, and mercy. It comes out of himself. The question then is, how do you receive this free gift of grace? And the answer is, by faith. Hmm. Faith. Now we all know what faith is. Or at least we think we do. Faith is the answer to the question. Saving faith is the answer to the question. How can I be reconciled to the God that I've sinned against? So the question we're going to answer today is what is saving faith? In Hebrews 11 Gives us the answer. Hebrews 11 says that faith is the assurance of things. Hope for the conviction of things not seen. Man, that clears it right up, right? I don't know about you, but the first time I read that, I said, what? I had no idea what the writer to the Hebrews had just written down. So hopefully I can unpack it just a little bit. By the way, this is not so much a definition as a description Of saving faith. When he says it's the assurance of things hoped for. And he uses the word hope. And I I think all of you know by now. In the New Testament the word hope doesn't mean wish. It doesn't mean the same thing that most Americans mean when they say hope today. We hope I won't crash on the highway on the way home. We have absolutely no confidence that's going to happen. But we hope it. No, the word hope in the New Testament means a confident assurance. In other words, you know, you know, you know that it's going to happen. And in this case, it's the assurance of things hoped for, which is the promises that God has made to those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, And assurance of things hoped for means that faith is being fully assured that God will certainly deliver on what he promised. And what did he promise? John 3.16. Do I really need to recite it? Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So faith is a confidence and the assurance that he will certainly deliver on that promise. And it's a conviction of things not seen. A conviction that even though we can't see it, we believe it. What's conviction? It's just unshakable trust. It's an unshakable trust in what we can't see and have never seen. It's an unshakable trust that God is real. It's an unshakable trust that the Lord Jesus Christ really was born of a virgin, really did become human, really did come to earth. It's an unshakable trust that the Lord Jesus Christ, God's own son, Yahweh himself incarnate, really did live a perfectly sinless life, really did offer himself up as a sacrifice for us in our place. And that God really will forgive and reconcile to himself anyone who comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a confident assurance. It's a confident hope It's a steadfast trust and an unshakable trust that this holy, just God really will forgive my sins and credit Jesus' perfect sinlessness to my account if I'll trust him, if I'll believe his promises. So what are some of Jesus' promises? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am humble and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Hmm. Jesus, (laughs) this one's a little convoluted, but you'll get it. Jesus promised, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and will not come into condemnation, but is past From death into life. God's word promises in John chapter 1. Jesus came into the world. And the world was made by him. And the world did not know him. He came into his own. And his own did not receive him. But as many as received him. To them he gave the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. And then again, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You say, great. That means that faith is believing. Here's where English trips us up. We have a problem. I don't know if you noticed, but I've been defining faith as unshakable trust. Because confident anticipation and conviction can only spring out of trust. But our English doesn't help us when it comes to the word believe. There's one Greek word that's translated by two English words. Believe and faith. Now believe can mean faith. Believe can mean trust. Uh, That's what it meant in John 1, 10 through 12, in John 3, 16, in John 5, 24. It means trust. (coughs) Excuse me. Or it can mean mere mental agreement. Just believing the facts about someone. I believe in George Washington. Got you in trouble in Zimbabwe, but I can use it today. (coughs) I believe George Washington. I believe George Washington really lived. I believe that he led the revolutionary army. I believe that he refused to be made king of the United States. And I believe that he's the president of the, he was the first president of the United States. But I don't confidently anticipate him doing anything for me. I don't trust that he will ever again do anything because George Washington is dead. My belief in George Washington is mere mental agreement with the facts about George Washington. I don't trust him for anything. And you see this kind of belief in the crowds that gathered around the Lord Jesus in his ministry according to the Gospel of John. Hang on to the list. In chapter 2, chapter 4, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, and 12... John tells us that after Jesus performed some miracle, many believed in him. The crowds kept increasing. Many believed in him. But only as a miracle worker. Only as a prophet. They didn't trust in him. They didn't depend on him to forgive them of their sins and to reconcile them to God. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 12, verse 37, we're told... That even though he had done so many miracles in their presence, they did not trust in him. Now, the word there is belief. Because they kept believing in him over and over and over again. But obviously, they never trusted him. They never depended on him. Saving faith is not mere mental agreement with the facts about the Lord Jesus Christ and his promises. That sort of belief is no more than demonic belief. James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. You see, the devil and his demons believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet all they do is fear him. Because they don't trust him at all for anything. And they're not depending on him to save them from their hideous sins. Their belief is mere mental agreement with the obvious facts. You see where I'm going with this? When was the last time that faith was defined? When was the last time that we looked into belief versus faith? faith Hmm. saving faith in the lord jesus christ is an absolute trust in and dependence on him and him alone in what he accomplished on the cross to save us from our sins and to reconcile us back to god the father now what does this sort of trust what does this sort of saving faith look like i have a friend in upstate new york don pastor i hope don never hears this uh on Sermon Audio, because if he does, he will not be a happy man. Don Pastor is a man's man. Don Pastor was deputy chief of police in Watertown, New York, a city about the size of Ashboro, for 20 years. Don Pastor believes in airplanes. He believes that all over America, all over the world, every day, tens of thousands of people get into an airplane... They take off, they fly to their destination, it safely lands, and they get off the airplane. But Don Pastor has no faith that an airplane will safely deliver him to his destination. Now, he believes that you can fly on an airplane and get there safely. Now, he get on an airplane, he'll walk around, he sees everything, the pilot can explain everything to him, he sits down in the seat, comfortable or uncomfortable, But when the pilot says we're about ready to take off, Don's coming out of the airplane. (laughs) Now, he believes an airplane will deliver you safely. But he has no faith that it will deliver him safely to where he's going. That's what trust looks like. It's depending. It's trusting. It's entrusting yourself into, it's entrusting your life into the hands of another. Saving faith is not only trust, it's exclusive. Saving faith is trust and dependence on God and God alone. Now, I'm going to define that in just a second. It's not on him and anything I have done. Does that sound familiar from this morning? Saving faith is faith on the triune God and on him alone, not on anything I have done or anything I'm ever going to do to help save me. Second Timothy 1.9 says, God saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which were given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Ephesians 2.8 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then, as Pastor Eric said earlier this morning, Romans 3.20 For we know that by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in God's sight. For by the law comes only the knowledge of sin. All the law can tell you is what God expects, what God demands, and that you've not met it. That's all the law tells you. It can't help you. So saving faith is trusting the triune God and him alone that by his grace, he will save us is trusting in the in the god of the bible alone not this idolatrous gods that are all over america today you know the, the god of american civil religion the god that most americans believe in today is, is some indulgent medicated nodding smiling drooling grandfather in his rocking chair Saving faith is trust and dependence on God the Father through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, and no other. That's why the Lord Jesus would say, no man comes to the Father but through me. So the object of saving faith, we're getting there. The object of saving faith is the Lord Jesus Christ himself and him alone for it is through him and him alone that we have faith in God the Father. Are you sticking with me? Okay. When we receive the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, we by de facto receive God the Father by faith. Because he said, I and the Father are one. So, saving faith is trust. Saving faith is exclusive. It's exclusive In that its object is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And saving faith is faith in Jesus as he is Lord. Now we hammer that here. We hammer it here because it's the difference between life and death for us. You see the word Lord means simply master or owner. Man we don't like that. Our flesh kicks against that. I will not have anybody rule over me or tell me what to do. That's the flesh. We come to him, though. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ if we come in saving faith. We come to him as our owner. As our master. Jesus is Lord. He is the creator and the sustainer of the universe become human. He was born Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ, say it, the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is Lord, and his death for us and his resurrection for us proves it. Philippians 2 says simply, because he died for us in obedience to the Father, Because he was raised from the dead for us, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Saving faith is welcoming the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord. As your owner. As your master. And it implies, therefore, obedience. Saving faith is committed to obeying whatever the Lord Jesus Christ desires or commands out of his word because he is your Lord. Otherwise, if you don't have that attitude when you come to him, you're just deceiving yourself. Jesus said in Luke 6.46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I command you? But saving faith is not depending on our obedience to save us. We're depending on Him to save us. But we come to Him with a commitment to obey Him in whatever He desires and whatever He's revealed. Let's be honest. We know we're sinners. I got news for you. God knows we're sinners. And the Lord Jesus Christ knows what he bought, as well as who he bought. He's never shocked, he's never surprised when we fail, when we sin, when we stumble. He knew we were going to do that. You know why? Because even though we may be justified by faith in him, brothers and sisters, none of us are glorified. Now that's as much of a foolish statement as some uh, some preacher saying, I just want to let you know that I'm not perfect. Got news for you, bud. None of us were ever under that delusion. God's under no delusion. He knows what we are. We are still battling the flesh all the days of our life, and we will never finally fully kill the flesh until we're glorified at death or until Jesus Christ comes. God knows we're going to stumble and foolishly sin, even though we're committed to keeping all of the Lord Jesus Christ's will. But knowing that, He's given us a defense attorney. First John chapter 2, verse 1 says, Little children, I write these things to you so that you do not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. That is a defense attorney with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. I have one question for you. Has the Father ever refused any request from his Son? Never. Because they are one and they have one mind and they have one heart. And when the Lord Jesus Christ stands and says, Father, just a reminder, as if you needed it, I die for him. The father says acquitted and joyfully says acquitted. Now, we're not depending on our obedience to save us. We're depending on Him. We come trusting him to keep his promise to us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess there means to say the same thing. So when we come to God, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we come in the power of the Holy Spirit, and with our head down and our tail between our legs, we say the same thing about that sin that you just committed, as God says about that sin, he forgives the sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We trust him to keep that promise. We trust him to keep an Old Testament promise. In Proverbs 28, 13, we're told, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes it will find mercy. We trust those promises. Listen, this ridiculous notion that you can have Jesus Christ as your Savior and yet not receive him as your Lord is hellish. It's a doctrine of a demon. It's heresy. And it's going to send thousands of Baptists to hell. And it's probably already sent thousands of Baptists to hell. It is As Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, it is a different gospel from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, if anyone, if I or an angel or anyone comes to you preaching any other gospel than that which I have preached, let him be anathema, which means let God throw him into hell. Let God throw him into hell. Trusting in Lord Jesus or in a Jesus that is not Lord is trusting in a Jesus of their own deceived imagination and fantasies. He's not the Jesus of the Bible, and that Jesus won't save. I say again, saving faith is trusting Him as Lord, but it's not trusting in our obedience. I remember when I was first converted, I won't tell you exactly what it was, but it involved a tire iron, a very cold morning, and an attempt to change a tire in the snow. And things didn't go well for me that morning. I was al- already late for work. I had to call in to work to let them know, I'm going to be late. I've got a flat. And in the process of changing the flat, I sinned. <laughs> and I was a brand new Christian. And I can remember right there in the snow... Just stopping and saying, Lord, if you don't do this, if you don't keep me, in spite of me, I'm hopeless. Because I can't do this. I can't can't do this by myself. But he promises he will. I confessed my sin and he forgave my sin. Well, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ in saving faith... There is a determination to obey Him and a confidence in Him to keep His promises to us and to forgive us and cleanse us when we confess our sins. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ who calls us, who justifies us, who sanctifies us, and who will glorify us. Now let me wrap this up. Saving faith is trust and dependence on God the Father by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Saving faith is trusting this God exclusively and not in ourselves. Saving faith is trusting Jesus Christ for who he is. That's trusting him as he is, which is Lord. So the question is, how do I know if I'm trusting the Lord Jesus Christ or merely agreeing with the facts about him? Hmm. Maybe this will help. In the 1850s, there was a high wire artist known as the Great Blondine. He was French. He was known all over Europe. Uh, he was famous. He would stretch a cable between two high structures, hundreds of feet above the ground, and walk across that cable without a net. And in 18, about 1859, it was late 1850s, I think it was 1858 or 1859, he decided to pull off the stunt of the year in the United States. So he sent out word all over the United States and Canada that he was going to walk a high wire over Niagara Falls. So they erected two towers. One, Niagara Falls, New York. The other one in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And on the appointed day, the great blondine showed up and there were immense crowds on both sides of Niagara Falls to watch this man walk across Niagara Falls on a high wire. Or at least try. It reminds me too much of NASCAR. You don't care too much about the race. you just want to see the blood and guts and the cars burn, you know So the great Blondine got up on the high wire, had a balanced pole in his hands, and one foot in front of another, step by step, he walked all the way across Niagara Falls and all the way back. And the crowds went wild. They'd never seen anything like that. He said that's nothing. Do you believe I could push a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls? And people said, yeah, we believe you can do that. Or at least they want to see him try. So he picked up a wheelbarrow. He put it on the cable. He pushed it step by step all the way across Niagara Falls and all the way back. And the crowd was delirious. They said, that's nothing. That's nothing. Do you believe I could push somebody in the wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls? And they all said, yes, Mr. Blondine, we believe you could do that. And he looked at a man there at the crowd and said, sir, do you believe I could push somebody in this wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls? The man looked up and said, yes, Mr. Blondine, I believe you can. He said, good, get in. Now, see, the man has just revealed that he believes Blondine can push somebody in that wheelbarrow Across Niagara Falls. But if he doesn't get in the wheelbarrow and entrust his life to Blondine, he has no faith at all. All he has is mere belief. You see the difference. Saving faith trusts the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive and reconcile us to the Father and entrusts myself into his hands. As my Lord, as my Master, all that I am, Lord, all that I have are yours. Anything less is mere delusion. But you might say, Harry, I I realize now that I believe the facts about the Lord Jesus Christ. I really have. But I have never entrusted my life into his hands. What should I do? Well, if you don't know what to do, I've wasted all of, my, all of your time and all of my time up here. You know what to do. Trust him now. Entrust yourself into his hands now. All that you are, all that you have, are his now. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, If you confess that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If from your heart you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, you will be saved. But then somebody here might say, but Harry, everybody thinks I'm a Christian. Uh, I've told people I'm a Christian. I've even joined the church. What are people going to say? Do you really care what people are going to say if it's life or death? But I'll tell you what the Christians will say. The the Christians will say, praise God. We thought you were a Christian too. Praise God. He's so good, he'll even save a Baptist. Pray with me. Lord, I pray that I've not made it muddy and that it has been clear And that if there is anyone here today that has only believed the facts, only given head notion and agreement to the facts about you, that today they truly will receive you as Lord, as Master, as Owner, and that they will entrust themselves to you and have everlasting life. We ask this for your glory and for their good. Amen. We are dismissed.